And we're starting a brand new series called Good God. Good God. And my, my, my key verse for this entire series is found in Psalm 34 and verse number eight. Here's the key verse. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. This is my favorite time of year. We're in the time of year where the major holidays are right around the corner and there's going to be so much good food to eat. And I'm excited for, for Thanksgiving coming up. I, I love the Thanksgiving holiday. And I'm just curious by a show of hands at all of our locations, how many of you are turkey people for Thanksgiving? Lift your hand if you're a turkey person. Come on, where, where, are, where are the ham people? Lift your hand if you're a ham person. Okay, yeah, it's about equal around here. Okay. Uh, let me ask this question. How many of you like dressing? You like dressing for Thanksgiving. Uh, how many of you like stuffing? L lift your hand. Who, who doesn't know the difference? Lift your hand, huh? Yeah, you, 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 you know the difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, who, who likes pumpkin pie? Where are my pumpkin pie people? All right. Where are my sweet potato pie people? Oh, some of you lifted your hand twice. I see you out there. Yeah, I, I see you. Okay. Who loves gravy on your Thanksgiving food? Me too. I'm a gravy. Who, who doesn't like gravy? Man, oh man. I don't know how you eat Thanksgiving food without gravy. I got, my plate has to have sides on it, you know, bars to, to protect the gravy is so much on my plate. I love gravy for, for Thanksgiving. Now, this is the most important question I want to know. Where are the eggnog people at? Just lift your hand. Oh, yeah. Where are the non-eggnog drinking people? Lift your hand. Keep your hand lifted if you don't drink eggnog because I'm going to pray for you to get saved and to get right with God because th things, things are not right in your heart with the Lord. Huh? Hey, all of my eggnog drinkers, eggnog is out. I went this morning to check. It is out. Yes, I went today. It's out. Glory, adios. Hallelujah. Eggnog is out. It's a good day. It's a good day. I just wanted to announce it to my church family today. You know, I, I love Thanksgiving. I can't wait for turkey and all of the fixings. And at the Cooper House, there will be a spread of food at Thanksgiving. So much food. And if I don't taste and eat it and enjoy it, it's my fault. Because the table will be prepared full of food. And I want you to understand that God has set a table of goodness for your life. God has so many good dishes for your life. He has so much goodness for your life. And yet there are people who never taste and see that the Lord is good. God has goodness after goodness after goodness after goodness for your life, but it's up to you to taste and to see the goodness of the Lord. And the intriguing fault is why do people not experience the goodness of God? Why? Are there people that never really get to taste all of God's goodness? I want us to examine that today. And the first thought today as we dive into God's word is we doubt the goodness of God. 
we doubt the goodness of God. And today we're going to unpack James chapter number one as we study this topic today. And we're going to look at verse 16. It says, don't be deceived. Come on, all of our locations shout deceived. Yeah, don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Deceived about what? Well, he tells us, verse 17, every good and perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. James tells us not to be deceived because why? It's so easy to be deceived and to begin to doubt the goodness of God. And James explains to us in chapter one how we become Deceived In James chapter 1, verse, verses 2 through 12, he says we must have the right perspective when we face trials and trouble or we'll be deceived. He says when you and I face trials of many kinds, we should consider them pure joy because God uses our trials. He uses our trouble to work good in our life. And when you have the right perspective about your trouble, you'll have the right perspective about your God. And, and then he goes on to tell us in verses 13 through 15 in James chapter one, he says, the wrong perspective on temptation will deceive you into believing God isn't good. He says, God never, ever tempts you with sin. It's our own desires that tempt us, that drag us away into sin. And if you have the wrong perspective about temptation, you will begin to believe that God is not good. James says, don't you be deceived. Don't, don't be deceived. Understand, church, the right perspective is to understand that we experience trials, trouble, trauma, and temptations because we live in a fallen world. Because Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, all of humanity now struggles with sin. We're all tempted by evil desires. And understand there's also a real devil who tempts you and me. And the devil is the one that's behind all of the evil and all of the chaos we see in our world today. But in the midst of trials, in the midst of trouble, in the midst of trauma, in the midst of temptation, it's easy to begin to look at your life and to look at our world and to begin to doubt the goodness of God. I mean, look at the mess in this world. War, genocide, child sex trafficking, murder, hate, division, starvation, earthquakes, hurricanes, tornadoes, tsunamis. You can begin to think, God, if you're good, why do I have cancer? Why did my spouse leave me? Why did my child die? God, if you're good, why did my parents abuse me? Why is there so much evil? How could God be good and all of this craziness be happening in our world? And church, it's very important that you understand this. The devil is bad and God is good. The devil is bad and God 
is good. And James says, do not be deceived. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Don't be deceived by your trials. Don't be deceived by your trouble. Don't be deceived by your trauma. Don't be deceived by temptation. Every good and perfect gift is from above. It comes from God. That leads me to point two. To taste and see the goodness of God, you must believe God is good. You must believe God is good. God depends on nothing or no one for his goodness. He's good all by himself. You see, mankind has no goodness outside of God, and God has no goodness outside of himself. The Bible defines God's goodness in two ways. Let me show this to you in Psalm 119, verse 68. He says, you are good and do only good. Teach me your decrees. The first focuses on God's character. He says, God, you are good. God is good. That's just who he is. And the second focuses on his actions. God, you only do good. God does good. So here it goes. God is good and God does good. God is good and God does good. Let's look at the first one. God is good. Did you realize that God's nature is goodness. God is the original definition of good. There's no evil in God. There's no bad in God. There's no wickedness in God. He is good in and of himself. You see, for human beings, goodness is an added quality, but it comes naturally for God. Because God's nature is goodness. That's exactly what Jesus was describing in the book of Mark. Chapter number 10 and verse 17 says this. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. God alone is good because it's his very nature. God is good. If you take a lemon and squeeze it, what comes out of that lemon is lemon juice because that's its nature. If you take an orange and you squeeze the orange, what comes out of that orange is orange juice because that's its nature. And if you could take God and squeeze God, what would come out of God is goodness because that is his nature. God is good. The Bible tells us this over and over again. First Chronicles chapter 16, verse 34. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Second Chronicles chapter 5, verse number 13. In the middle of that verse, the singers raised their voices in praise to the Lord and saying, he is good. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 3. And they worshiped and gave thanks to the Lord saying, he is good. Ezra chapter 3, verse 11. With praise and thanksgiving, thanks saying to the Lord, he is good. Psalm 105, verse 5. For the Lord is good. Psalm 106 verse 1. Praise the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Psalm 107 verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Psalm 118 verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Psalm 135 verse 3. Praise the Lord for the Lord is good. Psalm chapter 136 verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord for he is 
good. God's very nature is goodness. And the way you see the true character of a person is by their actions. So the second way the Bible defines God's goodness is by focusing on what God does. I read it to you, Psalm 118, verse 68. God, you are good and you do good. 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 Let me move on. That, 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 that. Let, me, let me move on. Here's what I want you to understand. God's actions are good. James says, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of heavenly lights. Heavenly lights helps us understand that God only has light in him. There's no darkness in God. There's no evil in God. He's the Father of heavenly lights. God is good. God is light. God only does good. And God gives you and me so many good gifts. God's been better to us than we deserve. He is constantly showering down his kindness, his mercy, his love, his grace, his generosity upon our lives. And the Bible says it over and over again. God does good. Psalm 113 verse, excuse me, Psalm 13 verse 6. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. God does good. Psalm 16 verse 2. I said to the Lord, you are my master. Every good thing I have comes from you. God does good. Psalm 86 verse 5, oh Lord, you are so good, so ready to forgive. God pours out forgiveness and love because he does good. Psalm 116 verse 7, Re return to your rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. God does good. Psalm 145 verse 7, everyone will share the story of your wonderful goodness. I don't know about you. I have so many stories I can share of God's wonderful goodness goodness in my life. Psalm 145 verse 9, the Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. God does good. Isaiah chapter 63 verse 7, listen to this verse, it's so powerful. I will tell of the kindness of the Lord, the deeds for which he is to be praised. According to all the Lord has done, for us. Yes, the many good things he has done for Israel according to his compassion and many kindnesses. Can I tell you today, God has been good to me. I don't know about you. Can you do you have this testimony? Yes, God has been good to Israel, but he's done so many good things in my life as well. Come on, who has a testimony today that God has done good things for you? Come on, he woke you up this morning. He clothed you in your right mind. You got a car to drive, a roof over your head, clothes to wear, food to eat, shoes on your feet. Come on, you got a job to go to. You got kids and family. You got a church. I'm telling you, you got money. Come on, you can buy something after church today. Come on, God has been good to you. God is good and God does good. God is good and God does good. I want to share a third point that's so critical to understand. I'm teaching you some deep theology today, but just doing it in such a practical way. 
Here's the third point that you have to understand. God is good all the time. Here's what James says. James says, James says every good and perfect gift comes from above. And he says, from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. And this is hard for you and I to wrap our mind around because everything is constantly shifting and changing around us. Come on, the temperature is always changing. In Oklahoma, you could wake up as 30 degrees and by, by 3 o'clock it's 90. It's, it's changing. Technology is constantly changing. How many would say your kids and spouse are changing? Some of you would say your job has changed. Your boss has changed. The home you grew up in as a little kid has changed to where you're living today. Who would say culture is constantly changing. This is not the 1970s. This is not the 1990s. Things are changing. Who would agree with me that you are changing? Come on, you used to have hair and now you don't. Come on, where are you today? It's changing. It's changing. It's, it's changing. You're aging. Every day you're getting older. I don't care what pills you take. I don't care what kind of, what kind of shots you get. You, you're aging. You are getting older. But God has not changed. He has not and he will not change. Church, God's existence is unchanging. Psalm chapter 102 and verse 27 says, but you are the same and your years have no end. God, his existence never changes. He's always been and he always will be. He's the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning and the end. Come on. His existence is unchanging. God's character is unchanging. Psalm 136 verse 1, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. God's character is unchanging. God's not good uh, 3,000 years ago and he's bad today. No, he's always been good. His character never changes. He doesn't love one minute and hate the next. No, he's always a God of love. He's always a God of kindness. He's always a God of mercy. He's always a God of faithfulness. God's character never changes. God's truth is unchanging. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse number 8 says, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. Pa let's hear, hear your pastor today. People's views change. People's beliefs change. People's truth is constantly changing, but God's word never changes. God's truth never changes. It endures forever. God's plans and purposes are unchanging. Psalm chapter 33, verse 11, but the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all Generations, the purposes and plans of God will stand forever. God does not change. And church, God's son 
is unchanging. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The songwriter said it like this, great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning within thee. Thou changest not. Thy compassion, they fail not. And thou hast been, thou forever wilt be. Great is thy faithfulness. What I want you to understand is God does not change. And because God does not change like shifting shadows, you can understand this. God is good all the time. And I said God is good all the time. And and all the time, God is good. God's good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. He's good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And at People's Church, we work hard not to just to preach to your Sundays, but to, to your Mondays. That you can apply God's word to your life. And so what I want to focus on for the next few moments is some application. How should you and I respond to the goodness of God? How should we respond when we taste and see that the Lord is good? Let me give you three ways to respond to the goodness of God. Three ways to respond to the goodness of God. And we're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 2 because 1 Peter, he references the Old Testament, that same theme verse, he references it, references it here in 1 Peter and gives us some application. Chapter 2, verse 1 says, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. When you taste and see that the Lord is good, here's your response. Here's my response. It should be to grow up in our salvation. God, you're so good I want to be more like you. God, you're so good. I want to repent. God, you're so good. I want to change. God, you've been so good to me. I want to grow up in my salvation. How do we grow up? How do we grow up? How do we grow up? Number one is this, grow in purity. Grow in purity. Peter said, get rid of malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. You see, people who taste and see that the Lord is good are people of repentance. When you really taste the goodness of God, you might still sin, but you don't want to continue in your sin. Like you're not waking up every day just going, Ooh, what, what can I get into today? No, no, when you taste and see that the Lord is good, you want to repent. People who taste and see the Lord's goodness, they're getting rid of sin. They're getting rid of their bad habits. They're craving pure spiritual milk. They want to live for God, not have to live for God. 
God, you've been so good to me. I want to live for you. I want to repent. I want to serve you. I want to love you with all of my heart, my soul, my mind, and my strength. I want to love people. I want to love my neighbor as myself. I mean, now, sometimes, Lord, I want to cuss them out and call them a dirty dog. But you've been so good to me. I want to please you so I get rid of the malice and the envy and the slander and I love people. I want to grow in purity because I've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Come on, everybody. Just look at your neighbor and just tell them this. God is good, so grow up. Go ahead and tell them God is good, so grow up. Yes, God is good, so grow up. Come on, find your second choice. They need a word from the Lord as well. Find your second neighbor and just tell them, God is good, so grow up. Yeah, God is good, so grow up. Don't stay in your sin. Don't stay in your evil. Don't stay in your wickedness. Some of y'all jacked up on the inside today. Looking at me mad. (laughs) Taste and see that the Lord is good. And he'll kick all of that stuff out of your heart. Number two is this, grow in worship, grow in worship. When you taste and see the goodness of God, it makes you grow in your worship. You want to worship a good God. It's not I have to worship, it's I want to worship because God is so good. It's all throughout the Bible. The psalmist said in Psalm Psalm 13, verse six, I will sing the Lord's praise. Why? For he has been good to me. Psalm 106, verse 1, praise the Lord, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. I will lift my voice, I will raise my hands, I will worship with my whole heart because God has been good to me. Listen, you don't have to force me to worship the Lord. The worship pastor doesn't have to tell me to raise my hands. Nobody has to tell me to lift my voice. He's been so good to me, I gotta worship him. You don't gotta make me. It's not a have to, it's a want to. I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise will continually be on my mouth. Why? Because God has been so good to me. I think we ought to take a 10-second praise break. And everybody who would say God has been good to you ought to give God some praise. You don't got to make me. I want to praise him. He's been good to me. He's been better to me than I deserve. Oh, God, I magnify you. I give you glory. I give you the praise. You're a good God. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Hallelujah. He's a good God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Taste and see that the Lord is good. It'll make you grow in purity. It'll make you grow in worship. And don't get quiet on me on this third point. It'll make you grow in generosity. About 22 of you. But I want to teach you God's word today because I want to help you. A huge reason we give to God and his kingdom is because God has been good to us. You see, one of the reasons Christians don't grow in generosity is because they don't realize how good God has been to them. And David talked about this. David said he gave to the people, he gave to God's temple, and the people gave to God's temple because they realized how good God had been to them. I want you to hear this in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, 
verse 12 through 14. I could do a whole series around these few verses. It's so rich with theology. Listen to what David teaches us. He says, wealth and honor come from you. God, it comes from your hand. You are the ruler of all things. You're in control. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give thanks and praise your glorious name. We've got to worship you. But, but notice what he says, verse 14. It's just so rich. But who am I? Here's the king of Israel saying, who am I? You see, sometimes we can get puffed up. And think that we did this. Who am I? Who am I that has this family? Who, who am I that I get to pastor this church? Who, who am I that I have this job? Who, who am I that I have this car? Who, who am I that I make this money? Who, who am I that I have this business? Who, 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 who am I? Who, who am I? And who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you. God, you gave me my talent. You gave me my mind. You gave me my work ethic. You, you, you get, Lord, everything I have comes from you. Every blessing, the car, the house, the clothes, the food, it comes from every good. And we have given you only what comes from your hand. God, we're only giving back to you because you've given us so much. David realized something that's so easy for us to forget, and that is wealth and honor come from God. Everything that we have, it comes from God. Power and strength comes from God. David realized what James also realized. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. And we give to God. We give to his kingdom because God first gave to us. We grow in our generosity to God because God has given us so much. We want to give to God, not have to give to God. When we understand and taste the goodness of the Lord. How could Herbert Cooper be stingy to a God who's been so good to me? I want to grow in my generosity because of the goodness of God. I love what 2 Corinthians chapter 8 says. It says, but since you excel in everything, if you have a paper Bible, you ought to circle the word everything because as a Christ follower, we, we are called to excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you so that you also excel and this grace of giving. And church, I want us to excel in our giving. I want us to grow in our generosity because God has been so good to us. If you're not a tither, you don't return 10% of your income back to God to the local church. Hey, I want to encourage you. Would you begin to tithe? Not because you have to, but because God has been 
so good to you. He's been so good. Every, every good and perfect gift comes from God. If you're a tither and you return 10% of your income, would you begin to give to dream builders to help us reach people with the good news of Christ locally, nationally, and around the world? Not because you have to, but because you want to, because you realize everything comes from God and he's been good to you. I want to encourage you, church family, if you're new with us, every year in December, we have a miracle offering. And I want to encourage you to pray and to seek God about what God would have you to give over and above your normal giving to help accelerate the vision of your church. And I want you, if you're married, get together with your spouse and just pray, God, what would you have us to give on December the 4th in the miracle offering over and above our time? because you've been good to us. If you're single, just go to the Lord in prayer. God, what is it that you want me to give by faith? What extravagant gift? You've been so good to me. What do you want me to return to you in the miracle offering? Church family, God wants us to grow in purity, in our worship, in our generosity. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Church family, don't be deceived. Every good and perfect gift comes from a good, from above, from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. God is good all the time.